stands forever. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? So good to see you. Thank you for being here. Um, for those of you who might be new with us, my name is Brandon, and I want to welcome you to an unusual day at Blackman Baptist Church. Uh, but first, go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. It is not unusual in that way. We're going to finish off our like two and a half year trek through the book of Matthew today. It ends today. And just so you know, it really doesn't end today because next week we're going to pick up where this leaves off and we're going to go through the first two chapters of Acts. So uh, for the next four or five weeks, however many weeks I'll be preaching, it's, we're going to do a series called The Church That Changes the World. And we're going to walk through the first, uh, the first two chapters of Acts and ask some questions about ourselves in light of what we see in the first church. But... If you are new here or if you happen to not be here the last couple of weeks, I want you to know that we actually said goodbye to Rob Timms, our teaching pastor, last Sunday. He's going to become the senior pastor of a church in Georgia. It's an incredible ministry opportunity for him. He's going to do so great. We are so excited for him. But our church loved him and has loved his family. He's one of my best friends in the whole world. But as God would have it, we've been working through Matthew the last two years, and we are finishing that journey today talking about the mission that Jesus gave his church. So it's fitting that as we're saying goodbye to the Tims, we're going to talk about the, the mission that Jesus left his church in the world. So Rob is gone. That's sadder for me than it is for you, I promise you. One of my best friends in the world, when I was moving back to Middle Tennessee from California just a couple of months ago, he was one of the people, maybe the person, I was like, man, I'm getting robbed back. We hung out all the time. I'm getting him. There's no way he's going to actually move to Georgia. He did. But the fact that he is moving has caused me to ask some questions, important questions, to wrestle with some things in my life. And I'm going to share a few of those questions with you to help us get into the text. So first, with Rob gone, I'm asking, am I still going to talk about and think about teaching the Bible? So Rob and I have been friends for 11 or 12 years, uh, countless hours. I, the primary thing that our relationship is built around is talking about the Bible, studying the Bible, talking about teaching the Bible, sermons, sermon series, we were just texting a couple of days ago about what we're going to teach next Sunday at our respective places where we're going to preach. Me here, him there. The fact that he is moving has caused me to ask, like, Rob, Rob's by far the person that I've talked the most about this in my life. Is that still going to be a part of my life? With Rob leaving, am I still going to be passionate about knowing the Bible, about teaching the Bible? Here's another question that I've had to ask with my friend moving to Georgia. There's a point to this. Am I still going to hang out with smart people? <laughs> we'll see. That's why it's a question. Guys, you may not know this. You may not, but Rob's really smart. He has a doctorate. Uh, he also has some interests that some have described as nerdy. Not me. But do you all have any, other, any friend that makes you feel smart just because they let you hang around? That's... That's Rob for me. So now that Rob is going away, I have to decide if I'm still going to enjoy the benefits of smart people. Okay, one more question I'm asking. 
am I still going to eat 3,000 calories at a time in healthy restaurants? <laughs> Rob and I have met, we both pretend to care about being fit. We've met many times for meals, and probably the two most that we've met at is, is First Watch and Kava. I don't know if you're aware of these, but they're both places that are designed for healthy eating, but I have a hard time not choosing the pancakes over the egg whites or choosing the honey harissa chicken over the thing that's literally called splendid greens at Kava. So with Rob leaving, I've got to decide if my future is going to be one that includes first watch and Kava calories, okay? So I'm just gonna take this moment here together as a church family. With Rob departed, to emphatically declare to you that the answer to each of these questions is yes. Teaching the Bible is one of my favorite experiences. Rob or no Rob, I'm going to keep going in that mission. As long as any smart person will hang out with me, I'm going to show up and reap the, reap the benefits. And church, Blackman Baptist, Brothers and sisters, until I die or until Jesus returns in glory, I'm going to happily and regularly partake in the farmhouse. <laughs> the farmhouse hash and million dollar bacon at first watch, whether Rob's there or not. Here's the point. My friend... Rob is leaving, but I'm still going to do what we did together. The questions that I'm asking, the answer is yes. And our teaching pastor, Rob, is leaving. And there's one question that we should answer together. One question that we should consider in light of his departure. And that question is this. Are we still going to accomplish the mission of the church? I knew y'all would say yes. This is our first Sunday without the Tims. We love them. Are we still going to accomplish the mission? Are we still going to be the church that we hope we are? Are we still going to be the church that Jesus wants this world and this community to have? And I'm convinced the answer is yes. Some of you have, uh, some of you have walked together for three years, 10, 12 years at this church. Some of you have been rescued by Jesus at this church. Some of your families have had your life changed by the gospel at this church. So even with Rob in another state, we have the same sweet and serious calling and God beautifully worked it out that we were scheduled to consider our mission together today. So let's read with all that preamble, Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20. Let's remind one another of the mission, the focus. Let's remind ourselves of the who we are really about. Let's read. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When he saw them, they worshiped, but some doubted, isn't that the world? Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the mission. Are we going to do it? So I want to 
help us see three things from these few verses that will help us say yes or say yes again as a body today. Here's the first thing we need to remember. Number one, if you happen to take notes, the message of our mission is Jesus. The message is Jesus. The text said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. The fact that they're disciples of Jesus that we're supposed to make is made clear by the fact that he said we're going to baptize them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and that they are being baptized into the life that Jesus modeled. He said, teach them to observe what I, Jesus, told you, right? So the first thing that we see in this text is that we're to make disciples of Jesus and baptize people into the life of Jesus. There's no other instructions about our, method, about our message, about what we're to be about. Jesus is our message, sharing the hope of Jesus that hopefully we've all, all experienced. That is our work. Let's start then with the word baptizing there. That's because baptism is itself a picture of the gospel. The actual purpose of baptism, one word, but the actual purpose of baptism is to illustrate the, the most significant message in the world, the message that we should have as a church, the message that any church should have. Let me read to you from Colossians 2. If you're going to track around with me, I'm going to read Colossians 2, 12 through 13, and uh, uh, some of Paul's words about baptism. He writes, having been buried with Jesus in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, BTW, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. That's the message that we remember today as a church, that the whole world is full of broken people like we were and are. People who need Jesus. Remember when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I wasn't good enough to be a friend of God. You weren't good enough to live in his presence. We were made for life and joy. Kids in the room, I know you got your sticker packets. Let me remind you, you were made for life and joy with God, but we messed it up and we couldn't have it. Not on our own. And the message of the gospel is that Jesus took our sin. He died our death. I'm just reminding you what we see even illustrated in baptism, that he rose again, bringing our life and our perfection to light because of his resurrection. Baptism is a picture of that. Colossians 2 helps us see it. We've just seen him come back from the dead, die for our sins, come back to the dead in our study of Matthew, right? All our deadness, all our trespass went to him. When we trust in him, we don't pay the price for our own brokenness. That's, listen, I'm not breaking any news right now, but that's, that is the message. That's the message. I was broken. You were broken. I trespassed. You trespassed. All had sinned and fallen short in the glory of God. And then, oh my goodness, the solution arrives, and it's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the baptism says, having been buried with him in baptism, you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses, God made alive with 
So Jesus says our mission is to baptize and make disciples in his name. So our black men, Jesus wants to rescue you. Middle Tennessee, Jesus wants you to have life and have it to the fullest in him. And that means trust in Jesus and live as Jesus leads you to live. Teach them. Watch, guys. Watch this. Any other message that we have as a church has to drive all the way to that message. No other message is our mission. Let's, I'm a, we're going to think about I picked some, and I've only been here for five weeks. Some of the important messages that we have as a church, but our message can't be we are a friendly church. Our leaders, you guys, my goodness, you know it's true. Y'all are friendly. Y'all are loving. We talk about it all the time that we want people to feel welcomed and loved when they come to black men. That matters so much. I truly believe that Weston Wax, one of our pastors, loves people closer to Jesus. You freaking do it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say freaking. I'm sorry. You do it. I know many of you here. This community is enveloping. But a full frontal Weston Wax hug is not our message. Blackman loves you is not the message. It's only a means to the message. Our message is, hey, you're welcome here, not because we're welcoming people, but because Jesus is a welcoming God. You're welcome here because Jesus died to welcome sinners into his life, into his family. And as people who have experienced the love of Jesus, we carry around the welcome home of Jesus with us. But it's only a means to the message. Here's another one. Our message can't be, we have awesome liturgy. And I love it. It's one of the features of this church. Our services, especially for a Baptist church, are, they're beautifully, powerfully structured to help us be intentional about remembering and reflecting and repenting and rejoicing. But our message can't be, we have liturgy. We want liturgy only if it helps people see the beauty of Jesus that we have seen. We should bury our liturgy in the retention pond behind this building. <laughs> if it ever gets to the point where we start to cling to our structure of our service rather than the service pointing to our Savior. We have liturgy because we want to know Jesus and help people know Jesus. Here's one more. Our message can't even be, it can't even be, we're going to get bathrooms. <laughs> hey, if you're a guest with us here in the end of July, you might be wondering, do they know that the bathroom situation isn't ideal? We know. We are aware. Would you even believe that we have dreams of building bathrooms and building more worship space and building more group space, maximizing this property that God has given us? But our message should never be we want to build. Our message is not bathrooms. It's not even kid space or even that cool tricycle thing in the <laughs> playground. The message isn't our property. The message is the gospel that people will hear when they're on it. 
all of our messages, man, if we're going to be the church, all of our messages point to that message. And that's the first thing for us to sort of recommit to together today. Here as we close out Matthew and start a new season, the message of our mission is Jesus saves. He saves you. He is our hope. And here is number two. The master of our mission is Jesus. Our message and our master is Jesus. Let me read you a couple of these verses again, 18 and 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then skip to 20, he said, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus is the master. And as we go about his mission, we're to teach people to follow his commands. Are we going to do that? And it's possible, and I can already tell, it's, uh, there was more yeses at the first one. It's possible not to love the sound of that quite as much, right? Jesus saves sometimes sound better, sounds better than Jesus commands. But I want us to see that Jesus is the master and that his commands are amazing. Following and teaching those commands to others is crucial to our mission. We cannot succeed without it. So first, let's think about the fact that his commanding us, his commanding the world is logical. It is, it is reasonable. Jesus commands, Jesus giving commands simply makes sense because of who he is. Verse 18 says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's just logical. All authority to Hiltabidal Farm in Spring Hill, Tennessee. My, of course my girls should get commands from me. I'm the authority. Jesus is the authority of all. Some translations say all power has been given. All dominion. Either way, the point is Jesus is the boss. He's the boss. Jesus not only saved the world, remember, but he made the world out of nothing. He created it out of his words. He has all the authority there is. And I want us to remember what that authority looks like. So this is crazy. But if we go back to Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus' dominion. We see his command in just absurd ways in two back-to-back accounts. And if you're keeping score, because some of you are, we studied this passage on September 25th of 2022 And Rob actually called that message Jesus' superior authority. So that's how I know I'm right. So check this out. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. Says when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. But behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep in the storm. And they went and woke him up, saying, Save us, O Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? Do you want it up? It looks like Jesus said, Storm, shut up. And there wasn't just calm, there was great calm. Wouldn't you like to have just 1% of Jesus' authority over nature? Even if just so that you could say, puppy, potty outside. (laughs) 
But if you think it's weird for Jesus to give commands, you don't understand who he is. Storms obey him. He's the master of everything. He can be the master of our lives. And in the very next verse, he shows his authority in another way. This is verse 28 of Matthew 8. And when he came to the other side, so he shut up storm, storm calms, great calm. He gets to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs. So fierce, the Bible says, that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come and the demon in us before time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And then he said, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down into the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. These stories are back to back here, one side of the sea to the other. But because of the, just note, because of the supernatural demonic work that we see there, regular people would not even, could not even pass by these men. But then Jesus shows up and the demons, did you see? They just assume that he's there to destroy them. They clearly have no doubt at all that he can and will destroy them. So they ask instead, little uh, negotiation, will you send us to the pigs? And all Jesus commands is go. That's it. One word and Jesus dominates the enemy. Demons obey the commands of Jesus. Storms obey the commands of Jesus. It just makes sense for us to obey the commands of Jesus. And to teach the world to obey the commands of Jesus. But I want you to not just think about the logical. Jesus' authority isn't just logical, it's loving. Jesus' commands are, they're good. Did you know the secret that Jesus' commands are good? They're the best thing that could ever happen to you second to knowing him? To help us with this, I want to teach you a new word. Jesus said in verse 20, go back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The word for observe there in the Greek is the word tereo. I actually think you say it tereo, but I'm just going to say tereo because I'm not Rob. And it literally means to guard or to hold fast. We are to tereo the commands of Jesus, hold on to, cling to the commands of Jesus. Why would we do that? Well, to help, I think we have a picture that I'm going to show you of what Tereo looks like. So this is my youngest daughter recently, actually not recently, a couple years ago. They're finding it. It exists. They're not. They were doing something else, but they're ready now. There she is. So this is my youngest daughter a couple years back with her duck named Ducky. Let me point out two things about this. Notice the grip and notice the smile. This is what Tereo looks like. She is happily and aggressively guarding Ducky the duck. She is holding fast. She doesn't want to lose that duck because Ducky is joy for her. Ducky the duck was her favorite thing for a season. That season has passed, thankfully. But she tereoed it. 
She guarded it. She held it close for her joy. And you can take it down because it's too much cuteness. But here's a diagnostic, thank you guys. Here's a diagnostic question for your heart. Do you want the commands of Jesus? Do we push against the command of Jesus or do we hold fast to them? Right? Because listen, if we understand that Jesus' mastery is not just logical but loving, it changes how we think about obedience. The master of the universe doesn't just demand things from us. He died for us. If we understand that Jesus allowed himself to be tortured and killed for our joy, how could we ever think his commands are bad? He's already proved, this is past tense, already proved that his commands are for our good, so we shouldn't look at them as burdens but as blessings. Please, Jesus, tell me what to do. I know you love me. You're the master of all. I want to terreo your commands like a little girl clings to her ducky. We terreo the, the commands of God. We hold fast to them with hope. That's what God wants for us, and that's what God wants for the people that we tell about him. He wants to give us new life, and then he wants to tell us how to live it for our joy. Friends, Jesus has all the authority, but he uses it for our delight. He is the master, but he uses his power to be merciful. So Jesus is the message of the mission, and he is the master. And lastly, he is the motivation. The motivation for our mission, Blackman Baptist Church, is Jesus. Let's read the very last sentence that Jesus gave in the book of Matthew again. <laughs> and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Guys, the presence of Jesus is what moves us into our mission. It is what sustains us into our mission. Nobody here, Rob, Rob's not here this week. Nobody here will be here every week forever. Jesus is the means by which we can even do what he asks us to do. Jesus says, I am with you always. As you go, Jesus says, you'll never be alone. As you obey, you will always have the presence of the one who loved you to the death. That's what an incredible, beautiful, seemingly impossible promise. Let me finish by pointing out two crazy things about that statement, I'll be with you always. First, of course, there's the always. I am with you always. The message of our mission and the master of our mission is Jesus. And he says, I'll be with you always, but nobody else can ever say always about anything else. Your mom says, I love you always. Maybe. She might love you her whole life, but she won't always be there. So even if she loves you always for her, she doesn't love you always for you. 
My mom's mom, this is just so current. My mom's mom, the hospice told her yesterday, two, to, two, two days to two weeks, and my nini will be with Jesus. We don't know always. I used to say to people, I'm praying for you all the time. If someone says that to you, they're a liar. There's no way anyone can pray for us always. There's no way anyone can love us always. There's no way anyone can be with us always except Jesus. The master of the world, don't forget. He has dominion and authority over the supernatural and the natural and space and time and life and love. We move out on our mission knowing that the master of our mission does not slumber our sleep. We can never be separated for his love. But maybe even more amazing than the fact that he says he'll be with us always is the fact that he can say he'll be with us at all. Because remember, what was Jesus doing just one chapter earlier in the book of Matthew? What was he doing? He was dying on a cross for our sin. For our trespasses, Colossians 2. He was dying. And he finished the job. He died. He took our sin. He took our punishment. His, don't forget, his heart stopped pumping blood. His lungs stopped sucking air. He gave up his spirit. He was wrapped up in grave clothes. He was buried in a mountain behind a boulder. And then he says, I am with you always. Come on now. Man, if there's anybody I want with me always, it's the one who was dead for three days until he wasn't anymore. He's got something I need. He has a power I don't have. Death didn't stick. Sin couldn't win because he has all the power, all the dominion, all the authority. And if we back up just a few verses in this very chapter, we see the power and the love of the one who is with us Always, verse 5 of Matthew 28, but the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And Jesus said, let me meet you on the mountain and give you a mission because I'm not dead anymore and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The one who loved us enough to die for us is still with us, always with us. So how could we not share a love like that, a miracle like that, a life-changing truth like that? The risen one is with us, the grave conqueror for not just him, but for us is with us. That's not in my notes, but there's a new song came out this week called uh, People of Heaven or something like that. And the chorus says, I'm not saying we should sing it ever, I'm just saying it's the the chorus is, we're going to live forever. And it's just Christians just singing, we're going to live forever. How absurd is that? We believe that. Listen, we're going to live forever. I had asked my mom to play my nini that song. She's been dying for years. Take her, Lord. She's going to live forever. 
the grave conqueror is with us, how could we not move out in confidence in that? Our message, our master, our motivation is Jesus. So are we still going to accomplish the mission of the church? Our answer is yes, Blackman. Jesus is too good. Let's be the church that Jesus says we can be because his love and his power is with us. And we're going to sing and pray in a moment, and, and our elders are going to be up front. And I just want to tell you, I'm going to close in prayer before they do that. I come from a tradition where elder prayer is super huge value. Super, I mean, the, I would say the New Testament says elder prayer is a super huge value throughout the epistles, uh, the, the book of James specifically. Come to the elders for prayer. So I just want to give you a little bit of direction. Is there anybody in your life that you want to meet Jesus? When you remember, because I do, what it was like to be buried under your trespasses. And now I'm going to live forever. Who in your life do you want that for? Who, let, let one of our elders pray with you that you'll have the confidence, the courage, the joy to share that with them. And then secondly, is there, is there a command... Let our leaders pray with you that, that you will see God's commands as good, as freeing. I had a, one of my, I'm going over time, one of my close friends called me last week to say he was nine months sober from pornography and asked me to keep praying for his victory. Some freedom. Jesus wants to give freedom. That's what the commands are for. This is the message. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray that the Lord will help us to, to continue to be a church that sees Jesus as the message and the master and the motivation. And, uh, and then we're going to sing about it, and you'll have the opportunity to, to let our pastors pray with you. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you so much, oh, Lord, for your word. Nothing can stand against it. Nothing can stand against you. Jesus, you have all the authority, all the dominion, all the power. You have all the love. You are love. You love us with an everlasting love, and I pray that even as we sit here in these charcoal seats, that we would have our hearts melted. That our hearts would be melted. That the all-powerful one was sacrificed on a cross for us out of love. And that you want all of Blackman and all of Murfreesboro and all of Middle Tennessee and all of the United States and all of the world to know about your love. And I pray that you would help us Put on our hearts who we can tell. Put in our hearts the joy to tell it. Help us to follow you well toward abundant life. We ask in the name of Christ. Amen.